passion, drive, and patience. The formula of winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything for you to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has it covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices that you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP it needs to be and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Again, ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Summer's coming. Are you ready to unveil that beach pod? Manscaped is here to ensure your body is ready for the wild with their game-changing full-body grooming and hygiene product. Don't be the guy at the beach with Austin Powers chest hair. And maybe you've grown some winter man tits. At least you can make them hairless. It's time to get ready for hot guy summer by going to manscaped.com and getting 20% off in free shipping with my promo code Bubba. Manscaped is dedicated to helping you increase your confidence and level up your full-body grooming game with the Performance Package 4.0. The kit comes with the essential lawnmower 4.0 waterproof cordless body trimmer and a ton of other liquid formations to round out your grooming routine. Whether you're trimming your chest or your treasure chest in your pant, doesn't matter. This is the best trimmer on the market. Inside the performance package, you're going to find the Manscaped Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Ball Toner, Anti-Chafing Ball Deodorant, and Moisturizer. Because we all know how painful chafing can be when you're wearing your bathing suit all day. Nobody likes nose hairs, so their package comes with the Weed Whacker 2.0 as well. You're also going to get two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, about a $39 value, and the patented high-performance Reduced Chafing Manscaped Boxers. And if you're wearing sandals, you're going to need to get the Manscaped Shears 2.0 Nail Kit. Having the right tools for grooming is essential. Do yourself a favor and always use the right tools for the job. Get 20% off in free shipping with promo code Bubba at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off in free shipping with promo code Bubba at Manscaped.com. Trim your chesticles with the besticles at Manscaped.com. Escape.com, promo code Bubba. been told we are live hopefully fantastic let's get this show started i see me on the tubes this beautiful face, this moneymaker right here. Uh, welcome to the Anna Hummel Show. <clears throat> it's just me in here talking to you guys. Um, at first, I was a little bit concerned. I'm like, how long could I just talk to myself? Apparently, very long. So um, I'm just basically taking my the, the conversations I have with myself in the shower and bringing them onto the show. And obviously, you guys can call in. We might be taking a f- few calls, although I feel like well, the show's been very call-heavy lately. Some good, some great, some terrible, some overstay their welcome. But um, yeah, if I could get some company on this on this show, I'm more than welcome to to have you eight one three 
90 Bubba. Uh, first things first, we got to take care of business. And business would include uh, Bubba 199, our first Bubba 199 on kick.com. It's either forward slash the Bubba Army or uh, at the Bubba Army. Um, if you're have if you're watching on a desktop, I was having issues with this, and you, you can't get the Kick deal to work. Use a different internet browser. Uh, maybe go to switch to an Internet Explorer and get away from Chrome. Because um, that was I didn't have Kick probably till about mm, two weeks ago. I mean, I was signed up and everything, but I couldn't seem to to get it work until Rhett came in and was like, "Hey, dum uh, dum, why don't you try on Internet Explorer?" And I went, "Oh, well, there it is. Fantastic." So uh, make sure that you're tuned in. Again, that's going to be 8 to 10 p.m. tonight. Uh, celebrating the birth of me. Yeah, so that's uh, that's exciting, obviously. I'm not really like a, like a birthday. I mean, I am. I'm, what, I just fucking lied. Uh, everybody's a birthday person. Everybody wants to be celebrated um, because I feel like, and I don't know, I want to say men do this just as much as women. I don't think that there's really... It's one thing I think we all share in common is that, um, like, your birthday is, like, a good proxy of, like, how much you matter to everybody else. (laughs) And even though, like, we we don't want to say that out loud, it kind of is true. Um, This birthday was a little bit different because I deleted my Facebook. So that's really the the indication, um, letting the world know that, hey, today's the day I was fucking born. Celebrate me. And that's usually when I hear from just a, a litany of people that are not a part of my life. But, you know, our entire correspondence is happy birthday. And then I go, happy birthday. And they go, happy birthday. And I go, happy birthday. I'm like, what kind of relationship is this? It's bizarre. It's strange. And I, I don't want to hear from you. So um, I deleted my personal Facebook. And, um, that, and it was just a much smaller circle of people that even fucking knew. So, you know, the, my immediate family reached out. No one outside of my immediate family that was related to me, blood related to me, reached out. Close friends did. Um, it was funny because, like, Rachel's parents, Reagan's parents reached out to me, but yet my own aunt and uncle and cousins, no, nobody, nobody knew. Um, and that's really what I think it is. I don't think that it, they are like, oh, it's on his birthday. Well, fuck her. Um, I hope that's not the case. It might be the case. But, uh, yeah, it was great. I, I spoke to my sister, which is a, a rare occasion. I know I don't talk about her too much other than, you know, I, I have a lot of uh, negative things to say. And that's something I really need to work on. It is bizarre, though, no matter how old I get. And I kind of see this, like, with Dan and Jay. And they obviously have a much, much different dynamic than my family. But you can be in your 30s. 40s, 50s, 60s, and when you interact with a sibling, you just kind of revert back to your childlike tendencies, the roles that you occupied as adolescents or children, and those just shine through. Like, I could talk to my sister, and obviously lots changed since, you know, she was a child and I was a child or an adolescent, but then now we're in our 30s, we talk, and it just kind of reverts back to, you know, she's tells me that I'm, you know, mean or uh, shitty and I'm like, you're dumb or I'm just sarcastic and she calls me out for that. So I, I it, it is frighteningly odd how you just kind of revert back to those roles and it's something I need to work on but probably won't. 
but with my sister, it was it was kind of fun because she was in San Francisco and she is FaceTiming me and I request her to to show me her surroundings. And she's in some like really nice park. And I'm obviously like, where are the homeless people shitting in the street? You know, I want to see the good stuff. And, um, you know, she's just kind of rolling her eyes at me. She's with a friend, a close friend, probably another, uh, you know, uh, can I say libtard? Oh, I just did. So uh, we're talking and I use the, I'm not going to say it because I know we're on YouTube, um, but I use the R word, you know, in very much the, the seventh grade way that we all know and love, at least for me growing up in the, um, uh, when did I graduate? Late '90s, say when you could freely use the the R word, and it, it didn't mean that it, it wasn't intended for someone with Down syndrome, and the F word wasn't intended for someone who was gay. It was just how you talked as a seventh grader, and you didn't you didn't mean anything bad by it, but it was kind of you know it was fun that those words had some bite to it. They're like seventh grade swear words. And then they went from seventh grade swear words to like slurs, you know, slurs for people who are mentally disabled or people who have, you know, a homosexual lifestyle and orientation. It was never meant for that. We never actually called anyone who was that that it was just we were in seventh grade and it was cool. and It was kind of fun. And then I can't remember at what point where it was like, eh, we, we can't. We can't do that anymore. So anyways, I'm talking with my sister and um, I like pregnant pause because I couldn't think of a better word than the R word to describe whatever I was talking about. I think I was trying to say like I fell R and I said it and she goes, Anna, stop. Don't don't say that. And you can't come on. You can't say that to me because what am I going to do? I start yelling it on the phone and she's on FaceTime so she's like ah like you could see she was just panicked in this park and all you hear is like r r r r and she's like what the fuck so um she puts me on mute it's this whole ordeal she's really embarrassed because her friends next to her and her friend is probably has similar uh political sentiments and uh, as her so she's embarrassed that you know she's related to this person who's screaming the r word on the phone and then she sees you know, Blitz next to me, and she basically said in so many words, please get your bitch on a leash. You know, she didn't say it quite like that, but she's like, can you get her to behave, please? And I'm like, do you know who you're talking to? We're, you know, two peas in a pod. So she rushes me off the phone, and I just think it's hilarious. One of the best birthday gifts ever is just, you know, making my sister uncomfortable and embarrassed. Hey, Brian from Philly, $20 on the uh, Super Chat. Thank you so much. Brian, always appreciate your support and your insulated backpacks. Uh, love them very much. So thank you again. Oh, I'll give you a little bit of this. A little bit of horn love there. Um, yeah, so it was fantastic. It was a lot of fun uh, embarrassing my sister. But then about five minutes later, I was like, eh, maybe that's not the best way to try to um, work on our relationship is me upsetting her more than I need to. So I apologized, which is, I'm not going to say unlike myself, but, you know, go listen, I can be, I can be sassy and I can be opinionated, but I can also be self-reflective and realize that I'm wrong often. I often make the wrong choice, but also it's just kind of fun if you do something shitty and then you just apologize, but you just keep 
you keep doing that. So you get points for being a good person, even though you never actually change, which is how I like to live my life. So I apologize for embarrassing her in front of a friend and uh, the entire city of San Francisco. And that, um, you know, I should have been more um, less colorful with my language and more respectful about, you know, other people and whatnot. But I know my sister likes it. She, she if she was if she was alone in her apartment, she she may have she probably would have giggled at least a little bit. But she has to put on the serious, you know, face where you can't say stuff like that. It's just uncouth. Uh, eight one three ninety Bubba. So, uh, yes, come to Bubba one ninety nine via Kick dot com. The Bubba Army. We're gonna have a great time tonight. I've requested that the ladies um, dress a bit spicy. And here's the thing, and I don't want to say slutty because that has a shitty con- uh, connotation, and uh, I don't want to say skanky because that's not. But sexy, sexy is a, seems like the right word. Um, spicy seems like a good word. So we're going to have the ladies dressed to the nines for your viewing pleasure so we can, you know, shake them raisins and, and make that money and just make it a, a more entertaining show for the viewers to watch when you're watching something that you like looking at, right? Moving around, bopping the music, dancing a little bit. We're going to have Reagan. Um, unfortunately, not a fan can't come. Wizzy will be here, obviously. Merch Crick with the, uh, with the titties will be here, so that's good. I believe Maria Guatemala will be here. So we're, I'm trying to think, T, Susan Poitras, and, uh, you know, a bunch of guys, but, you know, we're not focused on the men's. We're thinking about the ladies. So uh, make sure you tune in for that. It's going to be a really, really, really fun time. Um, but, yeah, 36. It's a, I don't want to say it's like a weird age. It's It's a great age, I think. It's a great age for men, not so much for women, because... Women really feel around this time we're like, okay, usually this is the time you start closing up shop with the children deal. And much like with parties that you don't want to attend but want the invitation, that's how I view breeding as a woman is that you always want the invite even if you don't want the child. You want the invitation to be fertile. But um, you got to also just be like fucking realistic about the matter and you go, listen. Um, I, uh, I have exited my, my, you know, sexual market prime a long time ago and I'm, I think I'm handling it quite well because, you know, you, you, you think of yourself a certain way when I was 21, 22 and just the sorts of things I was able to get away with. I was never the hottest girl in the room, but my looks never hurt me in my, my early twenties. You know, I was, uh, I was doing all right. But um, you start to phase out pretty quickly. That's a short shelf life. And then you start to realize that all the guys your age are, are really hitting their stride, hitting their prime. and They're really not interested in, in dating you because now they have resources and they would like to date the 21, 22-year-olds. And fair enough. Um, and I did hear from my, my good, good friend in California. She called me. We haven't spoken uh, since I was in California, actually. And um, I've talked about this person before, but we, she will remain anonymous. Um, she She's had an issue pretty much her whole life grappling with what we call reality. She has um, sheltered herself in a way where she doesn't she doesn't have to come with come into contact with the grips of reality all too often because she comes from a very and I use this word sparingly because I hate the word. She comes from a very privileged background, okay? Um, Is she white? Kind of. 
Only in skin tone, if that makes sense, not in culture, because I would say she probably does not identify as white, although the complexion of her skin is much fairer than mine. But I would say that she would say that she is from the Middle East. And I believe people from the Middle East now are fucking white. Unless you keep moving east and then you're brown and then you keep moving east and then you're yellow and then you keep moving east and then you're white again. So we're all just a shade of brown, really. But it was very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It was very refreshing to hear from this person and hear just a hint of sanity, a hint of coming to grips with being realistic about the situation. And um, I've gotten mad at this person in the past because they have told me, you know, everybody, all women and men, for the most part, unless you're married off at, you know, 19 or 20, you're going to have issues dating. And the older you get, the harder it gets, especially for women, where it's like, okay, you've acquired some resources, so you want someone on par, if not, you know, higher earning than you, and you don't want to put up with bullshit, you come to the, to the table with a lot of baggage, so you assume things about people and that's never good, or maybe you're jaded. Um, when I was dating and uh, trying to get to know people, potential mates, um, I always made sure to consciously tell myself, like, this is the first time I'm dating, and, you know, not to try to bring a bunch of baggage with me on each subsequent date because it's not that person's fault the reason why you're fucked up you know you maybe you're fucked up from a past relationship maybe you're fucked up because your parents fucked up maybe you were you know you had the sexual assault deal which isn't good which by the way it seems like the numbers and I could be I don't know the numbers but it just seems like that number just keeps getting inflated and inflated to the point where if I didn't know any better and I was a, an alien and landed on planet Earth, I'm like, everybody get out here getting raped, you know, because it seems like, you know, some crazy statistic like one in four women have been sexually assaulted. It's it's like, OK, well, what's a, what what do we qualify as sexual assault? I mean, I wouldn't say one in four women have been raped. Uh, maybe one in four women have had a sexual encounter they now regret and want to file under assault, like maybe, but... So, again, I feel like those those stats and those numbers are often inflated. Um, but, uh, oh, back to my friends. So you come to the, the, the table with a lot of baggage. Um, and I always try to tell myself, like, you, you, can't, you can't do that because nobody wants to be with that person, even though that's who you really are. So you really have to kind of, like, you have to kind of mute it, put it on the back burner, pump the brakes on who you are because uh, most people won't like that, at least initially. You have to kind of, you know, you have to you have to put your best foot forward, kind of persuade them and say, I actually do have good qualities. And then you start to I don't want to say unleash, but then you start to reveal yourself. And with me, because I'm a little, you know, cuckoo, um, I have to come to the table, try it as normal as possible. You know, you don't want to ring someone else's alarm bells because uh, and I'm pretty good at, at concealing that sort of stuff. And then you slowly reveal once they've you can tell they have some sort of emotional attachment to you or they're attracted to you. Then you're like, OK, let's see where that tolerance level level is, where they're willing to tolerate my true authentic self. Um, because and again, every relationship, every romantic or otherwise is just a cost benefit analysis. Like 
everyone is fucking crazy. There's no no one no one leaves like childhood or, or adolescence or even early adulthood just unscathed. You're gonna encounter things that affect you in a negative way. So you got to meet someone who either you know compliments your mental illness or um, is willing to just tolerate it because it's like, all right, well, there's a lot of great things about this person, so I'm willing to tolerate that she's fucking psychotic in some ways. So I um, was chatting with my friend, and for the first time in a very, 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 very fucking long time, she was saying some stuff that actually made sense. Things like, you know, I'm not 25 anymore, and we're the exact same age. 1987, she's about to be 36, I just turned 36. So uh, it was very nice to hear her say things like she didn't want to have just like a whimsical relationship. She's uh, now kind of paying attention to the right qualities in men instead of the wrong qualities in men. Because um, she would date, you know, she's she's a little bit of a bougie bitch. She likes organic shit. She'll pay $18 for a smoothie in uh, California. We'll get, keep it vague, Southern California. So, um, you know, maybe it's not best that you date a guy who has six roommates and wants to live out of a van who's four years younger than you. And, yeah, I get it. You both have a creative side to you, but that relationship doesn't have staying power. So when she kind of told me how her her last, let's just call it relationship slash fling ended, and it was it was quite anticlimactic, which is often the worst way to end a relationship, at least – in my eyes, because, um, and this was an Illumineer song, and it really, um, it really moved me. Um, but it's something along the lines of, "The opposite of love isn't hate; it's indifference." So, you know, if someone hates you, at least you've impacted them in some way with your presence, with your being. But if they literally don't care, <laughs> like that's the worst where you're just like a forgettable person. And essentially she was dating a guy exclusively in quotes. I don't really know, but it was something that lasted like in the ballpark of a year and a half. And when she started to kind of pull away, cause she realized, you know, he wasn't really serious or whatnot. Um, she was just like, you know what? I'm not going to just, I'm just not going to text him and see how long it takes him to text me. And he just never did. So if you can imagine like dating someone casually and then a little bit more than casually, but not super seriously, and then you just wait and see if they reach out to you and they don't, and then you reach out to them three months later and you go like, hey, how you been? And you give them a little update on your life and they don't respond. Like my heart hurt for her for, you know, a second. But also this is why you have to vet people better. I'm a big fan of vetting. Some people would say I'm overly cautious, but, um, you know, and I'm not happy about the marble situation. I am not happy that a woman was murdered. Uh, for those that don't know, and we've talked about this before, I'll just mention very briefly, but, you know, uh, the, the roommate dated someone. Um, this was back probably about three years ago. Uh Broke up with him, and then six months later, he killed his next girlfriend and then murdered himself, or killed himself. So uh, when that happened, and I, and it was right when I started working on the show, so it was in 2020. Um, initially, what I was single, and I was saying that, you know, you have to be very cautious as a female dating because you just don't know. 
Um, and although I'm a, vi- a big champion of men, I love men. I have nothing against like toxic masculinity. I don't even think that's a thing. Um, I'm not a I don't even know how you define feminism and what wave and I don't really care. I think it's I got all the rights I need. I, uh, quite frankly, I'm done. I'm I think that the, the feminist movement is complete, uh, much like the uh, civil rights movement is complete. You know, you're going to have racist individuals. I'm not saying you're ever going to like stamp out racism or sexism, but sexism. But uh, for the most part, under the law, I've got all the rights that I need. And, and quite frankly, yeah, it is complete in my book. So do I consider myself a feminist? I don't know. Sure. Why not? Um, I'm more of like a humanist. Like, I, I feel like a lot of these things are redundant where it's like, oh, I'm for gay rights and I'm for trans and I'm for black rights and for Asian rights. It's like and for female rights. It's like, yes, yes. Everybody gets all the rights. Yes. We, this is just a redundant conversation we seem to keep having. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, 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 I love men, um, but I also fear men because men can be dangerous, as we've seen earlier in the uh in the show in the main show where you know sometimes people are are crazy and they punch you in the face and they kill you and they rape you and someone is on the hotline so i feel like i should take it so let's do that oh it's nobody okay fantastic um yeah so i've always been very cautious when it comes to uh dating because you should be cautious you should always err on the side of caution and uh, that doesn't mean, uh, you know, I don't need to see uh, blood work yet or anything, but I think it's important to meet in a public place and, you know, where there's a lot of lighting and alibis and things of that nature. So um, I remember the guys on the show were saying that I was paranoid, that I was overly cautious, that I need to just lighten up. And again, I want to stress the point that I'm not happy that someone had to die to make my point. But when the marble situation went down, I was like, do do you see what can happen when you don't vet properly? So, um, yes, I'm a very cautious person. I vet for a long time, not necessarily just for the safety, but also for like, uh, you know, I'm a very like, what are your intentions kind of person? But I'm, I'm like that with everybody, not just... Uh, potential romantic partners. So anyways, back to the friend. She was just saying a lot of shit that made sense. In a, and it, I, I felt kind of bad because it was it was in a defeatist sort of way. Like I, I could see that she'd been jaded by life and the experiences that she's been having for the last several years. And um, kind of the greatest thing you can do for yourself is enter a moment of self-reflection or more than a moment, but many moments of self-reflection and go, okay, I keep falling into the same fucking traps. Uh, I keep falling for the same guys. I keep falling for the same old bag of tricks, and I don't want to do that anymore. What can I do differently to change the outcome? Because obviously the definition definition of insanity is, you know, doing the same thing and expecting a different result. So you go, okay, how can I rewind this? How can I make this better for myself and then to proceed in that direction? And she was saying a lot of those things. And I was like, oh, my God. You know, she was still saying crazy shit like, you know, um, what the universe has in store for me. Okay, like, you know, I, I, you know, thankfully, she's not at the point where she's like, oh, you know, uh, Mercury's in retrograde. Like, we're not there yet. But it was like, that's almost like the type of person that I was talking to. The universe and da-da-da. 
And she said this thing that I hear a lot of women say, and I don't know quite what it means. And, you know, I'm not trying to be like red pill Sally who's calling women out on their bullshit, but it's just so easy because women are women are very easy to make fun of. Most of them are because they, they get overly upset about things. Um, the, the best like debaters in general or the, the best people who, you know, present themselves in public and can are people who are just unaffected. Like if you're unaffected, you're winning the argument. You just you don't get too upset. You just have to be like Johnny Cool Guy. Don't get too upset. And uh, when I watch a lot of these red pill um, podcasts, they have a lot of women on there and the women just get so upset. They get and they get screaming and yelling and you know, interrupting and you, it just helps make the point of whoever they're arguing against. So, um, my friend really is, has taken a, a turn in the right direction. She's been defeated by life. She's been beaten down long enough. And she started saying things like, I'm not young anymore. And I'm like, yes, good. Reality is kicking in. Cause for many years she was in denial that like she had the, um, sexual agency as like a 23 year old and i'm like no we don't we're 34 5 now 6 we don't have that sort of uh captivating um uh presence around uh men all the time i mean she's very attractive and she looks much younger and she would always stress that i'm like yeah but you're not though your your eggs are telling a different story so it was just it was really nice that she she took some accountability and said, listen, uh, if I don't change my ways, I'm going to end up alone. And I'm like, this is great. I was like, I love this. Usually I'm telling you this. Now you're telling yourself this. Thank you for doing uh, my job for uh, for yourself. But she did say something along the lines of and again, I hear this a lot from women is like, oh, you know, I need a guy who knows my worth, knows my worth, knows my worth. I'm like, what does that even fucking mean? Like. I hear friends say that all the time. Knows my worth. I'm like, what? What is your? What is your? What the fuck are you bringing to the table other than just complaining all the time about how people don't know your worth? What's your fucking worth? And and where is a woman's worth? And do you value the same thing as a man? Because guess, let me tell you something, bitches. They they don't value the same things that we do. You know, she starts talking about you know how she's educated and has you know, had a good job. But I'm like, guys don't give a fuck about that shit. They don't give one fuck about your accomplishments or your degrees or your what you do for a living like they just want someone and guys could reiterate if I'm right because I know that I am is they want someone who's you know um agreeable kind someone who they could see that would be a good mother again these are all like long-term relationship qualities you know for hot uh, for 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 short term it's just hot wants fuck spread them you know that sort of thing but for an actual relationship, someone who's submissive, someone who's agreeable, someone who's kind, someone who brings peace in the home. That's what guys are concerned about. They don't give a fuck about, oh, you got it. You're fucking masters in biochem. That's not something. And again, there's something to be said of for like, you know, someone you can have an interesting conversation with that might help build attraction. But it's it certainly isn't something that ignites attraction. Like if you see some fucking hog, but she's you know, a quantum physicist, that's really not going to do anything for your boner. So I really had to kind of like spell that out for her. I'm like, you are trying to compete like a man. You're thinking like a guy right now that the guys want what you want. 
because you're going, well, I want a guy who's educated and I want a guy who makes a lot of money and I want a guy who's a boss bitch or whatever. I'm like, yeah, guys don't care about that. So stop saying that. Cause, and she was like, huh? And it is wild to me how many women just don't even fucking have a clue. They're like, but I've been chasing this fucking career deal and the education dream. And I'm, I'm not shitting on education. And it is useful, certainly, if you're you know, trying to get a certain place in life. But if you're looking for a partner, you have to understand that maybe you should talk to men and see what they want because I promise you it's not what you want it's a little bit different but a lot of women don't don't see it that way because they're just like well I want a guy who's rich and and tall and good looking and you know I assume that they would want the same maybe a little shorter but you know um all those sort of the earning potential the come from a good family it's like no but women women engage in hypergamy they're 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 dating across and up in terms of you know social status and economic socioeconomic status all that sort of stuff so all all you really have to be to a guy it's it's like seems to be pretty simple is like attractive to them obviously and um just agreeable peaceful a good nurturer like someone who brings feminine qualities that is, if you're looking for a traditional guy, which my friend was, she was like, I want a guy who's like traditional. I'm like, right. And that means on the flip side, that you have to be a traditional woman. And that those sorts of words coming out of my mouth was like pretty insane because I grew up in a very progressive household. Like my parents both worked um, very secular. I mean, I did the Jew thing, but like it was pretty like diet Jew, you know, low key Jew. Um, I got the bat mitzvah, but my sister didn't. My parents were like, I don't fucking care. You know, and I told my parents, I, you know, God is dead. My parents were like, whatever, dude. Like, they didn't care at all. My dad's a full-blown atheist now. My mom, you know, I don't even think, she, I don't think she goes to synagogue at all unless someone dies. So we're pretty chill about it. So for me to say things like you need to be a traditional woman is mind-blowing. And and oddly enough, like, I am not really anything like a traditional woman. I've lived a pretty modern life as far as being a, a, a modern woman. I've, I've, I'm pretty much the, you know, the pinnacle example of that where I'm in my 30s. I'm not married. I don't have children. I have a job or a career. I, this is certainly a career. But, um yeah, I'm kind of just doing my own thing. Um, I I'm not the most nurturing person. I but I have I've listened to a lot to this red pill community that has been growing, uh, has been getting a lot of steam because it seems like with every every movement, there's a you know much like what is it the laws of thermodynamics, the opposite and equal reaction where it's like you have this push, this blue pill push of feminism and equal rights, close the gender pay gap, that all that kind of bullshit. And now you have like the Andrew Tates and you have the Fresh and Fit and you have the people who are pushing the Rolo Tomasi who are pushing back saying no. Like there's a reason why like society functions the way it does when people kind of accept and and kind of um, lean into their traditional gender roles which again i cannot believe i'm saying this because i am not the uh i'm not the the poster child for a a trad wife is what they call like a traditional woman who does those sorts of things but i also think that there's some utility in some of those tenets that they speak of so you know in my relationship 
a lot of women don't like the word submissive. And I, I get it. Like, I don't like that word either to be like submissive. I'm like, ugh, I do jujitsu. How do you win in jujitsu? You submit someone else either because they tap, because they literally pass out, they get knocked out in MMA or something, or they submit, they do the double tap and they go, I am going to get my arm broken or I'm going to pass out or die. So I have to submit to you. You are superior to me. Um, so it's it's kind of like a, a dirty word that I know a lot of modern women don't like is the submissiveness thing. But the what how I've kind of reconciled it in my mind is that like when you're with somebody, um, you don't you're not submissive to all men. Like I'm not submissive to all. I'm maybe I'm submissive to Bubba because I'm scared of him and you know he's the one that that pays me. But um, I'm not just submissive to like like a guy on the streets like do this and I'm like yes master like none of that shit. But, like, in my personal relationship, like, I let the man take the lead and because I want a man who is a masculine, masculine guy. And I know on the flip side he wants someone who's a bit more feminine. So, you know, as a, as a female who considers herself to be pretty alpha in most aspects of my life, I consider myself to be, you know, a leader, a leader not a follower. Um, I kind of, like, dance the beat of my own drum, like, all that sort of shit. When it comes to my personal romantic relationship, I always make sure that I'm kind of like more my feminine energy just because that A is more peaceful and B, it's nice to be a chick sometimes. Just be like, dude, you fucking do the shit. You do. You kill the bugs. You mow the lawn. You do that shit. I'll fucking take care of the dishes and make the bed and, you know, whatever. Cut the vegetables for the salad because I can't cook. So um, I kind of gave that same spiel to my friend. And um, she was very receptive to it, which was nice. It, it, I felt like I I turned on a light that clearly wasn't on. And she's like, what? I've never thought about it that way. I'm like, yeah, you should start talking to guys and ask them what they like because it's not what you like. It's something totally different. You know, and here she was trying to chase the bag and make the money and, and get the education. And, and that's all grand and great. And if that's what you want to pursue, by all means. But also understand that that's not going to that's not gonna better you in the dating market if you're trying to go for a traditional guy who's in his masculine energy. And if you want to go for, you know, a fucking blueberry head dude who, you know, it goes by they, them, then fine. That that might be fine. But um, if, if you're not, if you're looking for a guy who has masculine, masculine qualities, typically he's going to like a, a woman with feminine ones. So just keep that in mind, a little PSA. Hello, who's this? Debo from Charleston. Hey, Debo from Charleston. What's going on? What's up, Honor? Um, love the show. Everything you're saying is completely true. I agree with, but what I do think is guys do want their girl, wife, whatever, to have a good education, good job. Not to say be the breadwinner, but they do want, a guy does want his girl to build with them, not just cook, clean, do the laundry. I can do all that shit myself and go work a nine-to-five. I've been in a relationship for eight Mm. years. We're going to get married soon. And, you know, we both work nine-to-five. We both come home. We both... She doesn't cook. I do the cooking. I mean, that's one different thing, but... I mean, I think that's... I'll let you finish. Go ahead. Sorry. No, you did. Um, I think that's more of a function of, like, your um, situation. Like, I think, ideally, for most men, if, if they could provide enough money, enough income for both, they would... And again, 
everybody's different, but I think more, you know, traditional, I don't want to say high value, but just say like high earning men, they don't really care. Like if you're making six, seven, eight figures, you don't really need your woman to like work. You you kind of want someone that would be there to rear the children and take care of the home. Um, I don't think that would make you more attracted to a girl if you're like, oh, wow, you got a corporate job with Citibank. That's hot. Like, you know, guys are like, would you be a good mom? Are you attractive? Like, are you a peaceful, mostly agreeable person? I'm not saying someone who's just a pushover, but for the most part, isn't just a, a fucking nagging you all the time. Someone who you are excited to see when you go home. I think that that would be ideal. I understand that's most people. That's not their situation because both parties have to work. But I'd say ideally, you would probably you wouldn't mind being the breadwinner, right? If your if your wife said, "Hey, I want to just stay home and take care of the kids." Of if, course, sure. And so. that is if, and that is if I made six, seven, eight figures. Right. A year, of course. Yeah. I'm not saying it lessens your attraction for a woman if she's educated. I'm just saying it doesn't really help the attraction. Am I wrong? I'm I'm happy to be – I'm open to being wrong. No, you, you, I'm agreeing with everything you're oh, saying. Okay. I'm just saying uh, – another thing is that guys, you know, not my cup of tea, but guys aren't going like the pretty, dumb, blonde, dumbass girl that just, you know – prances along through life and you know they you know some guys do like a smart educated woman who can do things for herself and not a guy who can do it all for them yes yeah i I would say that you know again i'm not saying that 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 intelligence isn't completely discounted i hope not because that's one of the few things i do bring to the table but i would say that there are things that score higher on the priority list than someone who's a fucking genius. You know, I, I think that it for, for guys, and I, I could be wrong, but you don't want someone who's dumb because obviously if they're having your children, you don't want them to be doing stupid stuff with the kids and just being irresponsible or reckless or just stupid. So you want someone who has some some wit about them, but I, I don't think that you that guys particularly care if their woman is highly educated or not i think if they kind of have like decent street smarts and um they're maternal and nurturing and just kind i think that those things go a lot long and again that's not to say that other things don't matter but we're if we're talking about you know order of importance i would say for for men it's, it's probably the things that i that i mentioned but again every and everyone's and different agree, yeah i'm just putting in my two cents yeah you can go ahead no no, no. Go, it's all you I love the show, man. I just was putting in my two cents. Thank you. What was the name again? Yeah, Buck. I I missed it. Buck. Debo. I'm I'm Debo. I'm, let me know who I am. I don't know if Bubba or you recognize me in chat, but yeah, I sometimes I stay away from chat because they're mean. But it's Debo from Charleston. You said. Yes, ma'am. All right. Well, thank you so much for calling in. I appreciate it. Yep. God bless. Um, I'm going to the hellscape known as New York City next week. Very excited. Although I feel um, uh, I'm a little on the wary side every time it's like, oh, protest because someone got fucking choked out because he didn't tap. That was your problem, dude, the guy that got killed on the subway. And I'm sorry if I'm not treating this with the compassion and sympathy slash empathy that I should, but I don't care. Um, Society didn't really care about this guy, let's be honest. 
you know, it's not it's not nice to say that about a human life. But when you've been arrested, what was it like 40 times? I'm making up numbers, I think. But um, when you have a, a long track record of being just a nuisance slash threat to society. I, and again, I can't remember what he was arrested for. I want to say it's probably not money laundering. It was probably something like theft or again, call, I'm not going to start reading the story now because uh, I don't care enough, but I know that this guy was a Michael Jackson impersonator. And uh, for those just tuning in, we're talking about, I think his name was Jordan Neely. Um, was on a subway, I, I want to say last week, somewhere around then, and he was acting irate and being crazy. Oh, that's right. Let me said that he punched a 63-year-old woman in the face. So that's the kind of person we're dealing with. And uh, a gentleman, and I will call him a gentleman, by the name of uh, Daniel Penny, I want to say. He was a 24 X marine so a badass with a cool stash, uh, happened to be on the subway, right time, right place, or maybe the wrong time in the wrong place, depending on what side of the aisle you sit on. This guy was acting irate, and um, Mr. Penny put this crazy, homeless, former Michael Jackson impersonator into a uh, into a chokehold. He did the RNC. Um, not great for him, but enough to get the job done because the guy's dead. So um, gets this guy in a chokehold. He obviously had some help. They seem to fail to, to mention that, that it wasn't just the chokehold. There was also another guy who looked to be black to me who was restraining the black man who was in the chokehold. And, of course, uh, Daniel Penny is the wrong color. So when you have the perfect color combination, which is, you know, in their mind, a, a black victim with a white assailant, that's like the perfect combination for um, a media frenzy. And that's exactly what Chuck McNeilan, McEwen, whatever, the guy that called in that saved the chick in Hyde Park, Dan's friend, Dan's attorney friend, you know, he said, you know, the main reason why he didn't shoot when he kind of like should have is it was the wrong color combination. He didn't want to be just drug through um, the, the media gauntlet of, racism and BLM and, you know, you got to think like all the protests that would happen and people getting shot in the street, la, 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 la. So he's like, fuck, so we didn't shoot this guy. Same sort of deal. So this guy, uh, the white guy, ex-Marine, it doesn't have a gun on him or maybe he does and, and chose not to use it, but he decided to restrain this Jordan Neely guy, the homeless MJ impersonator, um, in a, in a, in a chokehold and unfortunately... The guy dies who was in the chokehold. Now, when you watch the video of the actual chokehold, um, again, there was a third person who seemed to be helping restrain Jordan Neely while he was getting choked out, you know, because obviously when you're getting choked out, you go, there's a lot of arm flailing. Um, maybe you're trying to rip off the grip. Maybe you're trying to poke the eyes out or, you know. So there was another man, another gentleman who, in my estimation... Uh, seemed to be black or a person of color. So I'm like, okay, well, that's a little better when you have, like, you know, um, a black guy trying to help a white guy restrain a black guy. And it's so annoying. Honestly, it truly is. I wish I could just say people. I wish I could just say people. But unfortunately, it's it's not, it's, it's, it's never that reaction with the media. It's like Black Lives Matter, BLM, blah, blah, blah. It's like it couldn't be the fact that one person – 
is um, insane and crazy and and punching old women in the face and um, being a nuisance and threat to society. It couldn't be that that person needs to be restrained by another person. Of course, we have to inject the race conversation, which shouldn't matter, but does. And it does in the fact that it now tailors your reaction is now tailored to that um, foreseen media frenzy, much like Dan's friend said. He didn't want to deal with all that shit. He didn't want to be called a racist. He didn't want to have his home doxxed and put his family in jeopardy because dad's, you know, the mem- a member of the KKK, or at least that's how he's treated. So this guy did all the right things, restrained the man, didn't shoot him, didn't stab him, just used some a good old RNC, rear naked choke Willie, and, you know, it's unfortunate that the guy died. At least that's what I have to say on the air. Is it? Is it, are we being honest, is it really unfortunate that this homeless man who was uh, a menace to other people is now no longer with us? I know it's not the nice thing to say, but I feel like everybody, if we're being honest, we have a, a compassion tank of energy. And mine um, was depleted a long time ago. No, I'm kidding. But mine is, you know... I have sympathy for kids with leukemia and people who are born with AIDS or shit like that, or you're born with spina bifida. I have a lot of uh, sympathy for congenital stuff where it's like, I was just fucking born this way and this sucks and now I have cancer or my uh, my mom died in a car accident when I was four and I had to grow up in the system. Like that sort of stuff I have compassion for, but... You know, when you have a, an adult who's fucking crazy, who's making a nuisance and that person dies because he's being fucking crazy, there's, if I'm being honest, like zero, per, zero compassion or care there because it's just like, okay, well, what did you think was going to happen? Uh, this isn't like we lost a contributing member of society. This is someone who clearly did not contribute to society. In fact, they did the opposite and they, um, they were just... Um, a nuisance and making other people live in fear of their own lives. So that's not that's not good. And I'm kind of glad that it ended the way that it did. But unfortunately, so that's where I'm going. I'm going to New York City. Long story short, uh, I'm going to New York City um, and it's going to be a great time, mostly because I get to see my my good friend from college that I haven't seen in about a year and a half. She's a great, great friend. She was part of the uh, the Virgin crew. There was three of us, which was very unusual. We went to UC Santa Barbara, for those that are familiar. It's also it's called UCSB, also known as the University of Casual Sex and Beer. So um, the fact that we had three virgins living together, and we all graduated college as virgins, it was very crazy. So we, we really stuck together as a tribe, the three of us, because we could really relate in a way that other people couldn't. We all came from very good homes. Um, we had parents that were involved. We were all like, I don't want to say like, ethnic because the, the other two is three girls the other two i would say were far more like quote ethnic than i was like they could all speak multiple languages i could not but you know i had that jewish flair sort of deal so there was that kind of element a different than the anglo christian sort of upbringing um there was certainly a, an intense pressure to perform academically with all three of us 
we were kind of late developers. My favorite spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get when you're talking through Mint Mobile. I mean, I can't believe that I've been living some other life with all this scratchy mobile when I can get crystal clear and the best mobile through Mint Mobile. And I can do it all for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. I can afford this. How much have I been paying on my other plan? Probably getting gouged. But it's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. Say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plan. I mean, I'm talking jaw-dropping monthly bills and unexpected overages. Say goodbye to all that nonsense. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with a premium wireless plan starting at 15 bucks a month. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited-time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com forward slash Bubba. That's mintmobile.com forward slash B-U-B-B-A. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com forward slash Bubba. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to 15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plans. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Not develop. I went through puberty very young, but uh, developers in terms of hitting the, you know, when people talk about, oh, in high school, I banged this chick and I have making out with that guy. Like, uh, yeah, no, didn't didn't do anything. Didn't date Didn't do. We were just involved in school. Um, Didn't uh, didn't grow up too soon. Clearly, as we, we talked about this yesterday, have apparently I was a spoiled brat and we'll, we'll get into that as well. But uh, just good kids. We were just good kids. So I'm going to be visiting, um, visiting her. One of those, and I, and I might, I might add that I'm, I'm very pleased to announce that none of us are virgins now. So that's good that we kind of, we made it out. We didn't become the 40 year old versions that we were afraid to become, which is crazy because it's like you know it was like there were three, we were three cute girls. Like we could easily uh, gotten it done, but we chose to wait because uh, I think in many ways we were scared of boys and. Even in in our early twenties, um, and I remember one time I had some health issues and went to the doctor, and the woman, the nurse practitioner, she was the most unprofessional person I've ever um, come into contact with. She started, uh, what did she? She started yelling at me for not getting like the HPV vaccine or something like that, or some sort of STD screening, and I'm like, no, I don't need that. She's like, what do you mean you don't need that? She gave me this attitude, and I was like, because I don't, and this is none of your fucking business, bitch, and I'll take my blood and swerve, ho. Um, and she kept pushing it and pushing it. Um, and I'm like, I'm a fucking virgin. Like, why are you, this doesn't, this is, does not apply to me. You know, why, it, it was something about birth control. I don't know what it was. It was, it was annoying. So she's like, oh my God. And then she starts, she's like, is it a religious thing? And I'm like, get off the, fu- you take my blood and shut the fuck up. 
So she goes, um, and I'll never forget this. She's like, yeah, my dad is not into boys either. She's 14. I'm like, I'm 22. That's hurtful. So, um, and that was the only time I, f- I fainted during uh, a blood um, a blood draw because apparently I guess I was supposed to eat a little bit. Blood sugar was low. And I remember they put the little padded bar in front of me and I'm like, what the fuck is this about? And then she took the blood, head went down. I go, oh, that's what it is. It's supposed to catch you when you fall. Got it. So anyways, I'm going to visit, um, oh, I do have to tell you that not the girl I'm going to go visit in New York City, but the other girl. There were three virgins, right? So me, NYC girl, and then there was a third girl. We'll just say she's a, a Cali chick. Keep it vague. Um, she held out till she was 28, which is pretty late to lose your virginity at 28 years old, to a man that she dated for two years. So she dated a guy for two years. And I remember talking to her on the phone when I was in Michigan. And we'll just call her Julie. Talking to Julie. And I said, um, You're, you still have had sex? She goes, no. And I go, uh, you need to fuck this guy because that's ridiculous. Um, you've been with him for a year and a half or two years and you won't fuck him. I'm like, are you waiting for marriage? She's like, not necessarily. I'm like, okay, you need to just go and fuck this guy because that's, that's torturous what you're doing. And you're not engaged and what the fuck. So she takes it my advice, as everyone should. And then she got... HPV. She got an STD the first time she had sex. And when she reported back and told me this, I mean, all I could do was laugh because that's hilarious. I'm like, you fucking waited your whole, you played the game so right in terms of being a good girl and not putting yourself at risk. And then you, and I even think that he was screened for some, I think he, she made him take like an AIDS test, but they didn't, they don't test for everything. And so she ended up catching HPV and I'm like, oh my God, God fucking hates you, Julie. God hates you. I was laughing so hard. She's like, what the fuck on? I'm like, that is some ironic ass Alanis Morissette shit. That is so funny. You waited your whole life to had sex, 28, and then you do and you get an STI. Holy shit. That's kind of funny. And she agreed. Uh, hello, who's this? Hi, it's Joe the Supermark. What's up, Joe the Supermark? What's going on? I just wanted to remind you of something that Dr. Dan, our hero, taught us this week. It, yes. I thought it was quite revolutionary. Yes. He drew the parallel between being spoiled and being fortunate. Yeah. I've always been accused of being spoiled my entire life, but I realized via Dr. Dan this week that I'm actually just fortunate. Oh, well, that's great. That's a great way to look at it, and I would like to agree with that. Sometimes you are, but sometimes those two things intersect. Sorry, go ahead. Do they really? No, I I wanted to ask you something as far as tonight goes. What are your expectations and or what are your hopes for this evening? Like, what are you most looking forward to or what are you dreading? For my own birthday party? Um, Yeah. It seems quite, that seems to be like quite a a, a deep question for something that is just typically a, a jovial occasion. Um, I would say the thing I'm looking forward to the most is just uh, the the friends, the music, the cake, the mm. party, um, all that sort of stuff. I'm, I'm certainly looking forward to. I think the thing I'm dreading the most is when it's over. 
you know, because you get like I was looking forward to this like all week. You know, I, I'll, by the way, I love Bubba 199. So I always look forward to them. Birthday or no birthday. They're always just a good time. Um, but yeah, when, when it's over, you're just like, meh, but then I'm going to New York. So I'll be like, meh. So, um, yeah, that's what I would say is that every, I would say if, if you, we really want to get philosophical and I'm not going to play the clip, I would say that I, I think with any good event, it's always bittersweet, uh, big head Todd style. It's always bittersweet because everything is transient, including happiness, including an event, including your wedding or whatever you're looking forward to. You know, you're so excited for it, but then it just seems to to slip away so quickly because life happens so quickly. And then it just it just it, it's it's out of your hands. Like when I was a bridesmaid in that wedding in December, I was looking forward to that for months. And there was so much preparation, even on just the bridesmaid side of things with the dress and the bachelorette party and the bridal shower and the gifts and the makeup and the shoes. Like there's so much preparation and then um, it was all over. Yeah, and then in four hours you're like, oh, but the money's that's it. gone. And the money's gone. Now, thankfully, I didn't have to spend that much money. But you know, you talk to the bride who probably threw down a good, I would say, after everything was said and done, thirty five, forty grand for a pretty like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? A, a pretty budgeted wedding. You know, nothing crazy, outlandish. Uh, something pretty simple, which I like. I don't need like a you know to attend a gaudy, crazy wedding. Although those can be fun too, but it was you know pretty a mild wedding in terms of spending, and even that put her thirty five forty in the hole. So you know, four hundred dollars on here to a bald man is just incredulous. But whatever. I mean, but but I, yeah, but if you're only planning on getting married once, which I think most people that's the goal, uh, you know, you you really want to throw down, and especially if it's something that you've been. Looking forward to conceivably your whole life, especially as a woman, not me, but a lot of others. I, I kind of get the fact that you're like, listen, this is my moment. I really want to make it perfect or whatever. Hey, my marriage goal would be to get married by Bubba the Love Sponge. That I know. That would be the best. So just saying about New York City, yeah, I know it's your first time. I've been there many, many uh, it's times. It's not my first time. Absolutely. But... Oh, okay. Screw it. Yeah, I've been there. Tell you nothing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's crazy. You already know it's crazy. You're going to see things you may not believe, but yeah. it's true. They're happening. Mm-hmm. But uh, other than that, happy birthday. Have fun tonight. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. And we'll see you back on Monday. All right. You do, you do the same. All right. Uh, besides the birthday part. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, yeah. Last time I was in New York City was in 99. I was 12 years old. And we went to the top of the World Trade Center, um, which was a little awkward because then I thought, you know, uh, maybe what, 18 months later? September 11th happened, so it was odd just to be like, man, if we decided to go then, that would have been a bad day. Uh, But thankfully for uh, all parties involved, we are late. We're Jews. This thing happened. 9-11 happened in the morning. There's no way we would have got up there and been there at 8 in the morning. So I think about that as well. And also we were on West Coast time. So we were just going to be running late anyways. So um, there was just no possible way that we would have been in the World Trade Center before noon. Um, so anyways, those sorts of things crossed my mind because, of course, you're like, oh, shit. If I would have been there that day. That would have been a bad time. Bad time. Uh, hello, who's this? Hey, Anna. Mitch Hiz. Mitch Hiz. What's up? Hey, listen, real quick. Um, yeah. I have been with my wife for 33 years. Wow. Congratulations. Um, Happily married or we- just married? 
No, no, we're she's still my best friend. Oh, fantastic! And okay. I, I hope to this day she still likes me. But you yeah, know, we, you should check we in. raised three children. We adopted two more. Okay, that came from very very bad families. But my wife and I, we take separate vacations every year. We take family vacations together. Okay. Um, she has her friends. I have my friends, and we have our friends. Okay. Um, my wife is very independent. She's very strong-willed. She was uh, a nurse, and for 20 years, you know, we both worked full-time, busted our ass. Right. Um, for the last 12 or 13 years, uh, she has been stay-at-home, you, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I make a, I make a good living, and there's really no Fantastic. need for her to work. Yeah. So that's... It, you know, we don't, we're not controlling, we're not demanding. Right. You know, we tell each other what we need, what we want, and what we expect. Right. And for 33 years, that's how it's been. Right. Um, I'm originally from New York. My wife is from Tampa. Nice. So it was kind of cool. I moved down here and she was my next door neighbor. Oh, wow. And Look we at were that. Friends Girl next door. Yeah. Yeah. We were friends for a couple of years. She had just come out of a bad relationship. I had just come out of a bad relationship. Didn't really want to date. Didn't want nothing to do with, you know, none of that shit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it just after a, uh, a year or so, we decided that we got along so well, maybe we should date. And we did. Okay. And so anyway, that's that's that. But. You know, you, this this guy in New York, most people don't understand what it's like to ride the subway. You're you're a hostage, basically, in a school bus. Right. That's basically what a subway car is. And from stop to stop, you know, 50 random people will be on and off. Right. Um, and the, you're, the, the, you're stuck the, with them. The mental illness and the crazy, just the absolute, you know, absurdity of what takes place on on these subway cars is it's insane i mean it really is i i, I don't doubt see myself it doing it today yeah no but, i don't um, i have you know i used to ride i lived in midtown manhattan and i worked at one point in uh, far rockaway queens i used to get off i used to ride the a train at one o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. from midtown to far rockaway queens beach 67th street Okay. And I used to go through the, you know, the A train is like goes right straight through Brooklyn, Queens. Um, it is like the it's the worst stops on the damn subway other gotcha. than, you know, Spanish Harlem up in up in the, you know, up on the north end of town. Yeah. But, um, <clears throat> you know, I've <laughs> been robbed at gunpoint. Uh, you know nice. what I mean? It's, yeah. It, but I'd love to tell about people, it. Yeah. That dude that choked him out or put him in a, you know, sleeper hold. Yeah. Okay. People like that are few and far between. And basically what he did was save every person on that train. That yeah. dude got on that train and started demanding that people give him money. I'm going to eat. Uh, I need to eat. You know, yeah. you need to give me, you know. So the only reason he didn't shoot the guy was probably because in New York you can't carry a gun. Legally. Right, right. It's a problem. It's it's a major problem. And, you know, talking about, which brings me to the mental illness thing, and then I'm going to hang up. Um, one of the children that I adopted is severely, just, I feel so bad. First of all, she's bipolar one. Um, 
And if if they're, she's like the poster child for borderline personality. That's, that she, deals with attachment, right? Like attachment issues. Exactly. Yeah. Well, she was she was raped by her father repeatedly, oh. which, is, which is why he's in prison. And then oh. add in on top of that, oh, don't. the mental illness that runs in the mother's family. Oh no! Oh, it's it's. I so mean, briefly, Florida, I'm just going to kind of direct you because we got a lot of calls. Uh, briefly, what kind of issues have you dealt with this with this girl? Is is she, she started? We got her when she was four, and okay. she's now thirteen. At nine years old, the, the erratic behavior has mm-hmm. always been just emotions off the wall. Okay, at nine years old, she started cutting. Oh, um, so a lot so, of like self inflicted uh, oh yeah violence, oh, yeah. or is, well, is she trying to kill you in your sleep? No, 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 no violence towards us. Oh, beautiful. But, I mean, not great, but better. You know what I mean? Okay, go ahead. Exactly. Sorry. And yeah. The, the the issue is we're dealing with the the healthcare system through the adoption. <clears throat> she gets Medicaid, and and all of her medical issues are are paid for by the state. Right. The problem is there is no suitable mental health treatment for children. When Bill Clinton passed his, you know, his budget. The, one of the ways that he passed, that he actually got a balanced budget and ended up with a surplus, is because they closed every federally funded or state federally funded mental institution. Right. These, these There's no place for them to go. The doors were opened up. They were tossed out on the street with inadequate care. Yeah. No, and that's, that's, that's and certainly a problem. wonder why there's people shooting up schools mm-hmm. and... Because there's no treatment for mental health, and it's absolutely horrible. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm, I'm witnessing it every day. My yeah. daughter was Baker acted again yesterday. And she's 13. I mean, this That's is, crazy. And this is a weekly, biweekly occurrence. Mm, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's anyway, that. I love the show. Thank I've you. I've been Bubba Army since literally since 92 when I moved to Florida. So, wow, 31 years. You know, I have literally God been following you. Bubba since, you know, since he came to Tampa. Fantastic. In, in early 93. And remind and, uh, me uh, your first name again? Ned's His. Ned's on, His. Uh, on chat. Was Ned's His or Two? Okay. On, uh, in Twitch. Nice. Good. So, well, thank you for anyway, sharing. Uh, I love Bubba Army. I, I've been forever and, you know, I will be. You guys are like my daily. You guys are what gets me through my day. So. Oh, I love hearing that. Thank you, Loved Ned's you His. since the day you came Oh, on well, you're we in the minority. A long time ago. Yeah, most most people so, were not a fan. Thanks, Anna. Have a great day. Thank you. Say hi to Blitz. I will say hi to Blitz. No problem. Thank you guys uh, so much for calling. Um, yeah, mental illness. Uh, I think it's, uh, health, mental health awareness month or something like that. I, I heard, uh, Howie Mandel just yapping away about it. Um, now the situation that, uh, Ned's, his, his adoptive daughter, adopted daughter is dealing with is, is atrocious and it's horrible. And I do have some compassion and empathy or sympathy rather and the tank for situations like that, because especially things that happen to children. Um, unfortunately, that compassion kind of dissipates when those children become adults, right? Which is kind of fucked up, because at the end of the day, we're just grown-up kids. We're just a product of our formative years and how we were raised. And it is crazy that there is, like, a critical amount of time. It's not like you have this extended lifespan where and I guess people just call you jaded at a certain point but you know um 
where if something happens to you that maybe even isn't that traumatic, but is traumatic for a child, like you're made fun of, like if you're made fun of as an adult, you're like, ah, this sucks, but like whatever. But if you're made fun of as a kid or a teenager, which is why I had so much sympathy towards Dan's daughter when, you know, or her classmates or her brother's classmates were like making fun of her. I'm like, that is fucking panic mode. And I totally get that because I've been in that situation before. And you're just absolutely like beside yourself, just an adrenaline rush of panic, fight or flight. Like I get it. I absolutely get it. So I do have a lot of sympathy for for kids. That, I mean, a kid is raped. I mean, that's fucking horrendous. And it's it's terrible. Um, unfortunately, it seems like that that compassion just kind of dissipates. Like maybe this Michael Jackson character who was choked out on the subway that died. You know, I would I, if I was a betting woman or person or baby, I would say that, you know, this person probably didn't have the best upbringing. This person was once a child. Maybe this person was abused by their parents or um, uh, physically assaulted or raped by an uncle. Like, we don't know what this person went through. And it seems like we have, and it's not fair, but we have all this compassion for children and um, what they're going through because children are innocent and all that sort of thing. And then as soon as that person, you know, becomes 18 or and a young adult, we go, all right, now it's on you. So fucking get it together. And that sucks because a lot of times you don't have the tools. Maybe you didn't get the tools that you needed to kind of help you cope with whatever you're trying to work through. And that's unfortunate. I remember when I was uh, I was a tutor in Michigan for this guy with autism and he was like he was like a man with autism he was in his late 20s or early 30s rather and he was like an eighth year undergraduate like it was something crazy and his name was eric and he had a weird gait like the way he walked was fucking creepy and i gave him my phone number you know if he needed anything or helping or whatever and then i became just like uh he'd call and just want to catch up and talk and I'd have to do the whole, you know, he loved talking about movies. So we'd have to be like, oh, what movie did you watch? And he would, I went to the cinema. It was great. He was quite smart, uh, you know, uh, book smart in that sense, in some ways. Like he had a pretty good vocabulary. Um, but then when it came to anything social, like he had autism, he had learning disabilities, he walked weird. Like it wasn't just he was a little awkward. It was like a little bit more clinical than that. But... I remember talking to his mom and, and, and I remember one time I got really, really mad and there was this whole ordeal because I wasn't calling him back. And at a certain point he said he was going to like kill himself. So I called him and I'm like, fuck you. You're not going to do that. You're just saying that I, I was, I called his mom. I said, listen, you can't, I have my own life. Like I'm just, I tutor this guy like once or twice a week and he's calling me every fucking day. And then when I don't text him back, he's threatening to hurt himself. Like I was like, don't put that shit on me, buddy. Because guess what? I ain't going to feel bad. Like, I'm not. Don't fucking. A, I knew he was fucking bluffing. He wouldn't fucking do that because he was too much of a. I'm not even going to finish that sentence. But I knew he wasn't going to hurt himself. I knew he just wanted my attention. And he knew the way to get it was to feign that he was about to kill himself or hurt himself or do something dumb. So I called his mom. We had this long conversation. And she's like, listen, Anna, like, we we don't really know what to do. Like, when he was a kid, and again, I'm not saying that this is equal to uh, Ned's his is situation, but he's like the mother told me that when he was a kid, there were plenty of resources for children with autism and for them to um, uh, special learning, teaching programs, 
where people had like just more sympathy and more resources and he's a kid with autism. But as soon as he turned 18, it was like no one gave a fuck anymore. And now you're just an adult with autism. Like there's really no difference between your 17 and 18 year old self other than the fact that now you're an adult technically and no one gives a fuck. So now he was just kind of thrust into the real world and he did not have the tools um, adequate social tools or any tools really to kind of learn how to help himself. So, you know, I'd be like, oh, well, tell me about a time you hung out with a friend. And so he's like, oh, well, back in 20, like 2008. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's like 2014. What the fuck? Um, he's like, I went to a friend's house and we hung out for a few hours and we talked about this movie. He just loved like movies and cinema. But when he would talk about movies, he would become very articulate. I'm like, wow, it's Eric. Wow. Um, that's crazy that you can talk like that, but you're so goddamn fucking weird. So um, he just did, had very limited resources in a, as an adult, and it, the parents didn't really know what to do. And now the parents were like, at the time they were, I don't know, in their late 50s, 60s, and they have this adult son who, you know, is a child. He's a grown man, but he has severe autism and he cannot e- exist in the real world. So he does crazy stuff. And, you know, unfortunately, I told her, I said, listen, I know he's got autism and a bunch of and a host of other shit that's wrong with him. I obviously said a little bit more le- gently than that. But um, I go, it sucks. I'm like, but you got to get him into some sort of there must be something where like adults with problems can hang out with each other. Because I said, listen, Susie Q, whatever her name was, I said, listen, you know, he's, he has social inadequacies and he has autism but he's still a human being and he needs social interaction. So he's acting out because I am his his entire social life is our one hour meeting where we talk about fucking science or biology or whatever I was tutoring him in. You know, I am his only social uh, contact. So he looks at me as like a confidant, a tutor, a friend, you know, maybe even a, like a sister, whatever. So we've got to get him. And, and it sucks because it's I can't tell him, like, go and make a friend because he doesn't know how to do that. So we need some sort of, like, guided assistance for him because otherwise, mostly I just cared about myself. I'm like, this guy blowing my shit up. And at, at one point I had to, like, you know, meet him at a coffee shop because I had promised. He's like, promise, promise, promise. Yes, yes. So every six months after I ended tutoring, like, I wasn't even a tutor anymore. I wasn't even going to Oakland University where I got, I didn't even get my master's, but where I went for my master's and ended up quitting but I was like an, a year out the game and he's still like, what are we meeting? Like calling me or texting me daily or every other day. So, um, yeah, I remember meeting him at coffee shops, talking about movies and what are your favorite snacks? And oh, God forbid, one time I think I brought him a snack and he like, I mean, it was touching because he was like, oh, my God, no one's ever like brought me a gift before. So he and he, in his little like autistic head, he like didn't know how to like express gratitude so he was just like like he was just really like choked up like a robot that was kind of uh, malfunctioning and I felt bad and I'm like I think I think you're having a good moment but you look weird but um yeah I remember I moved to Florida and it continued and I'm like this motherfucker is on the other side of the goddamn country I've moved to the other coast I've moved to the other border rather let's say I've moved to the other border and I'm still getting harassed by this kid how the fuck do I do this and the same thing had happened with one of his other tutors who I knew, who was one of, in my cohort, who had moved to Ohio to do something else. And so it, this guy in Ohio 
has a family. Now he has like three kids. He's married. He's like, this guy, Eric, keeps blowing me up. I'm like, dude, I I think his name is Mark. Mark, I get it. Eric is not, I don't know what to do. So I just decided I made the attempt. I said, um, I think I wrote him like a goodbye text. I said, listen, Eric, we're done. Don't text me anymore. I'm not going to get back to you. Even if you claim to say that you're going to hurt yourself, I'm not going to respond. And I stuck to my guns. And I think for, I, I remember for like a while, he was just like reaching out, reaching out, reaching out. And then it was like once a week. And then it was like once a month. And then it just stopped. And I, I haven't heard from him in probably about, mm, probably about six and a half years. So it took a while, even when I was in Florida, for me to just kind of like cut the cord. And I was very like, hey, listen, I told his mom, like, I'm not going to be answering the phone anymore. So if you start saying you're going to hurt yourself, like, fucking don't. That's not going to change my uh, my actions, just letting you know. I'm not trying to be a dick, but uh, I'm just trying to live my motherfucking life. So, uh, mental illness. I, I know this is, I feel like I kind of have like a hot take on it. Um, but I feel like it's also, it's very, uh, like, who's not mentally ill? Like, who doesn't experience negative emotions? But, Ana, you don't get it. My situation's different. And there are people, like, people who go to war and have seen things that are like, you know, that no one should see, their friend getting blown up, you know, the, the guy that called in his adoptive daughter. I want to stress that, you know, because the father raped her, but the guy that called in adopted her. So it's not that he didn't rape anybody. So, you know, people go through horrendous things. And unfortunately, the human mind is not necessarily equipped to deal with that in the best way. And, and sometimes things go a little berserk. And people don't really have the 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 means or the education or the training or the tools or the resources to learn how to deal with that trauma. Um, and that, that is certainly happens, but those situations cast aside, there's a lot of people out there who are just fucking wanting attention. And now uh, mental illness is something that like everybody can claim. And if you claim it, then you have it. And if you have it, you must feel sorry for that person or you must be empathetic to that person, which is honestly getting on my last fucking nerve. Like, I just have too much anxiety today. Okay, okay, maybe you do. Maybe there's a chemical imbalance, maybe whatever. But for the vast majority of people who have anxiety, that's a normal expression of the human condition. Your your brain is wired to be anxious. So, and it seems to me, and again, I haven't looked too deeply into the stats and the science, but it seems like there has been a sharp incline in mental health problems and the advent of the smartphone, growing technology. And it seems like the more connected we seem to become online, the more disconnected we become as a species, which I've heard a lot of people say that's not really an original thought, but it is true that, you know, especially with young girls, you know, uh, preteens, adolescents, the rate of suicide has skyrocketed right around the time you see social media on smartphones. You know, it seems like those two things intersect. And I don't think that it is a coincidence. Um, but I also think that we need to stop, you know, viewing ourselves as victims. And again, this isn't to say, and, I, and I've heard this a lot from a lot of people in like the self-development space, which I kind of like hearing. It's like, Maybe like this extreme, this extreme sense of accountability, right? So maybe a bunch of shit, bad shit happened to you. That is none of your fault. You were raped, you were hit, you were abused, like all this sort of shit happened to you. That's not your fault at all. And you shouldn't claim responsibility for that. 
But what you do from here on out to try to help yourself get better, that is on you. Like that is your response. That is your um, bear to cross. Is that not? That's not what I'm saying. That's your responsibility to bear. That sounds better. That is your responsibility. And that's actually a good thing because now you're telling the person who was abused, who dealt with all this traumatic shit that, hey, actually, you do have some agency here. Like you do have some control on how to get better. And again, I want to stress, like, maybe whatever happened to you in the past, that's not your fault. Like, obviously, if you're a kid and you're fucking raped or abused, like, that's not your fucking fault, obviously. You know, it's not like, oh, well, you were wearing that fucking Barney T-shirt. You know how, you know, daddy lacks Barney. Like, it's obviously, you know. Not like, well, what was she wearing? You can't say that to a four-year-old, obviously. But as an adult especially, and I'm not talking to kids because kids don't know shit, but especially when you when you become an adult or even an adolescent, I think it's important to tell people like, hey, you, this is now your responsibility. Not what happened to you, but how you deal with it. So, and I think that's also really empowering instead of just saying you're a victim, you're a victim, you're a victim, you're a victim. It's like, actually, no. You could say, and I like the survivor kind of, you know, spin on it. Because you are a victim, but also like, hey, I survived this, and now I'm going to thrive. Survive, and now I'm going to thrive. And telling people that, hey, there are resources out there to help you. But this whole, like, I can't even tell you. I am on Instagram, not my personal one, but when I'm doing shit for the show, and sometimes I start to scroll for a little longer than I should, and I can't tell you how many times I see videos of women especially I haven't seen any guys doing this but I'm sure it's out there of women like filming themselves crying like it's part of like a reel and then it's like every day's mixed bag and then you'll hear some like inspiring music and then it's like they're they're dancing they're running they're crying they're like sobbing they're laughing they're and it's just like it's like life is beautiful or like you can get through it or it's like this um uh timeline of them being sad and crying like lots of clips of crying sadness meditating all the sort of stuff and then you, they're like see I'm thriving and then it's like laughing and jog- jogging and now they're in shape and high-fiving and it's like see you can overcome your breakup it's okay um and I, I just and then the seasonal effective like I saw some chick crying on Instagram yesterday filmed herself crying so it's like you know like I want to see this is what I want to see not you crying I want to see like the the camera on the wall that's filming you filming yourself crying. Like, what does that look like? Because I always think about that. You know, it's like walking in on someone who's taking a selfie, which I did at jujitsu the other day. I walked into the girl's locker room and there was a girl like posing. And I felt like I, uh, and it was just me and her. And I was like, uh, and there's one mirror. And I was like, uh, just fucking, I'm going to get out of your way. Can I grab my back? Um, but if I could see, I'm like, how are you getting ready for this crying video? Like, are you crying? And then you're like, I don't know on the phone. Or is it like you're whipping out the phone and then you're like, like, you know, closing your eyes really tight, trying to get the waters going and then listen to some Adele and then just let it rip. Um, I want to see the preparation for the crying videos, you know, like a fly on the wall POV. So uh, because it's insane. And I just think that maybe we should go back a little. And again, I'm going to get a lot of heat for this. And I I really want to discount like the outliers, like the people that were like raped as kids and the trauma and the PTSD and da, da, da. But for those of us who have relatively normal, healthy lives, and again, you know, maybe your parents got divorced or whatnot, or you, you got bullied or whatever the case may be, like, I understand no life is perfect. Um, but for the vast majority to maybe f- for those people, we should start going back to, you know, 
stigmatizing mental health just a little bit back to how it was before where it was something that people were a little bit ashamed of. Like people weren't so um, camera happy to just whip out the phone and start filming themselves just blubbering away um, because I feel like in moments of like true grief and maybe this is just me and maybe it's just a personal thing and I, and I can't speak for everybody because again, this is N of one. So that's my sample size. But in moments of true grief and despair, the last thing I want to do is put myself on camera. That is the last fucking thing on my on my mind where I'm like, maybe other people want to see this. And I get it. Like, it's not my job to be a, quote, content creator. I mean, radio, but not online in, in the sense of social media where it's like, I want to be relatable. And I also understand it's like a branding thing where it's like, OK, I don't want to just be this. I'm not saying I'm perfect, but, you know, like those makeup influencer fashion type people. I don't want to just be like this perfect person who has it all under control because the uh, the stats have shown the uh, what do you call it? the focus groups have shown that people like watching people who are relatable that deal with shit and um, go through breakups and are sad and happy. And they really show you like all of the dimensions of their of their life. And so they go, OK, so now I have to show me being sad and that's going to get people to. People like, you know, they feel like they like being around people who are vulnerable because they feel more connected. And I get that. Like, I would probably more watch someone crying, being like, wow, this is fucking embarrassing versus someone who's like, everything's perfect. I'm perfect. Watch me make this like fucking tuna salad with like vegan mayonnaise, like whatever. Obviously, the former is more fun to watch and you do feel like sort of connected. But then I'm also in my mind going, well, this is all just fake in a show so i keep that in mind but so i get it's good for the numbers it's good for the stats to be vulnerable but also like maybe we should go back a little bit to stigmatizing people who can't get a grip on some shit um and also i i think the people that are are advertising their grief or their sadness or their mental health are really the ones that aren't mentally ill because i feel like you're probably not going to see the guy uh, that was the MJ impersonator or the guy that hit the girl in Hyde Park. He's probably not a TikTok star. So, you know, the people who are truly mentally ill um, aren't really doing that. So that's also another thing to keep in mind. Uh, I think it's silly to assume. I think as we get older, like grown adults understand that life is in all rainbows and sunshine and even the best lives. And I've, I would say I have one of the best lives. On the planet, when you when you look at people who live in, I don't know, North Korea, Yemen, Bangladesh, they have some shit lives where it's not like, oh, my God, you know, I didn't get enough sleep last night. And like, those are my problems. Like, I didn't get enough sleep. And like, I have to stay up late and do prep. I didn't just jitsu and I have to wash my hair. Like, those are my problems. Not like, oh, shit, can I drink this water? Because I might get cholera. Or the other option is to die from dehydration. So pick your poison. Those are the problems that other people are dealing with. So for myself and everybody listening, we have very good lives. For the most part, I'm sure some of you guys are going through some shit right now where it's like, ugh, rather not. Um, but we're, we're very fortunate to, to, to be in the situation that we're in. So when you have people who are very, very fortunate, you know, crying on camera because they the boyfriend broke up and I get that that's painful shit or whatever. Or they, I saw a girl crying cause like seasonal defect of uh, seasonal effect, effective. It's sad. Effective disorder is, is real. And so she was crying cause it's fucking, you know, winter time. 
So when I see that, it's just it's really hard to have compassion because I, I feel like they try to reiterate, hey, and they're usually in their 20s, hey, sometimes people are sad and the rest of us are going like, yeah, no shit, bitch. That's called life. It's going to not be perfect. And that's what kind of makes it so great because you would never experience the the high highs of life if you didn't experience some low lows, right? And I think that's a big reason why I'm not a fan of, like, I wouldn't want to be a celebrity's kid. I wouldn't want to know just only the best, the best food, the best cars being, you know, quote, spoiled because there's really no room to go up. If, if that's your standard growing up is just luxury and everything that you want at your beck and call, like what motivation is there to work hard to achieve more? And that's why I'm like so anti-lottery. Like I don't want to win the lottery because then the game is rigged. Then And I, I know I'm going to get some hate. Oh, you don't even fucking mean that. You don't even know. You're right. Maybe if someone were to present me with the money, would I take it? Like, yeah, but I don't think it would be good for me. Much like we talk about handouts for migrants or people who refuse to get a job and we go fuck those people they're taking handouts from the government here i am working my ass off da, 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 da. it's like well yeah if someone's going to hand you free money i'm going to take it I, that, that would be the r word if i didn't obviously but you know we can if we're in a reflective state of mind we can take a step back and go okay well giving handouts to people doesn't doesn't motivate them to work hard it actually does quite the opposite it takes away their motivation and their incentive to try harder for themselves. And I, that's how I feel with, like, the lottery is like, well, shit, if I just win the lottery, the game is rigged, you know. And again, you can certainly spend enough to where you can burn it, at, burn through it if it's not, you know, that much. If it's only, I don't know, not that much. It's 50 million. You can burn through 50 million if you're a dumbass. So, um yeah, that's why I wouldn't want to win the lottery because I I, I feel like it would truly stifle my incentive to to work hard and and do hard things because the game is is rigged in a sense and and becomes less fun and I and I know I've made this reference before but if you've ever seen Westworld which is about uh you know AI robot takeover deal um at the end of the first season I've only seen mm, like two or three seasons but at the at the end of this at the first season it's it, basically Westworld is like a it's a Fake place where real humans go, interact with rope. We'll just call them the uh, the hosts. The hosts are robots. The 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 he- real humans go into Westworld, which is just like this amusement park. They can shoot the hosts. They can rape the hosts. It doesn't matter because at the end of the day, the you know the people who control everything just reset their settings and they forget everything, and then they go through the script yet again and again and again and again. And um. There's like a glitch in the matrix where one of them starts to recall the past. So then the host starts to go, wait a second. I remember all this trauma. This isn't good. We must stop this. And then, you know, it's kind of like robot takeover sort of a deal. But at the end of the first season, and I felt like this was such a. It was like deeper than I think most people took it like. But to me, it, it like it made sense years later where I'm like, oh, shit. Um, the, one of the, one of the guests, one of the real human beings tried to, his whole goal in Westworld was to change the system so that the, the, the robots could fight back and kill you. Cause initially if you got shot by a, a host, by a robot, it like 
the guns they used weren't real or whatever the case was, you would just get up. Like there was no real risk at all. So there's this guy who's been living in Westworld, like in this amusement park for years or coming back year after year. And he's like, this is fucking boring. Like the stakes aren't real. So he does this whole thing. I don't know. I, I, I haven't seen it, the show in years and years, but he changes the system because he's like, I want I want the stakes to be real. And so at the end of the first season, I think like, uh, I don't know if it's like when Anthony Hopkins dies or whatever. I, I don't know. If you haven't seen it, you probably won't. But uh, the it goes into the second season where the hosts now can fight back. And if they shoot you, you fucking die. Because they were at some like wedding. It was like some wedding in the amusement park. And the the robot starts shooting. People start dropping and bleeding. And everyone starts freaking out because they're like, that's not supposed to happen. That's not supposed to fucking happen. And we're supposed to be safe in here. And guess what? You're not. So then the guy who wanted that to happen was like, fuck yeah, the stakes are real. Let's go. So that's kind of like the thought that I always revert back to is like it wasn't fun when the stakes weren't real. When you always had that security net, that safety net, knowing that you're like as a as a as a rich like and I'm talking like real rich. Like if you're Shaq's son or, you know, Kevin Hart's daughter or whatever, like the system is rigged like you you can't lose. So what fun is that? And that's why you see so many, and, I, and I've said this time and time again, why you see so many celebrity kids or kids of celebrities, I should say, getting into hard drugs. Like they're doing the same types of drugs that people who are homeless are doing because, you know, they're trying, those people that are homeless are trying to escape the trauma of being homeless or raped or abused. You know, the people that really have issues, but celebrities, children, what they're trying to do is just fucking feel something because, and Gary V talks about this all the time. He's like, I'm so glad I grew up poor because he's just like on this, like I'm a poor kid. I got to keep going mission. Whereas if you grow up, if your MO is I'm rich, I'm good. I don't need to hustle. I'm comfortable. You're never going to have that fire underneath your ass to go and accomplish anything. So Gary V always says, I'm so grateful that like I had fucking nothing. You know how Gary V talks. I'm so grateful I had fucking nothing. I'm so grateful. It was, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. It was just be poor as fuck, you know, because now he's worth what, like 150 million because he got involved in like the seller wine business. I don't, I don't really know too much about his his um his history, but, you know, he is definitely a, a very motivated man. And I think that motivation comes from like your upbringing of I need to work harder. I need to work harder. But if he would have grown up rich or comfortable, you're not going to have that same fire underneath your ass. And that's why I'm so against, you know, getting the lotto or winning the lotto or playing the lotto eggs. I don't want to waste my money. B, probably not going to win. And C, it's just I don't want the game to be rigged. Like I almost like want to keep chasing the carrot because it's like a cat and mouse thing. Like, if you keep, you know, the, the cat, you're doing the little fucking you know, thing with the stick and the little feather and the cat's like going crazy. But then you just drop it. Have it, cat. They fucking lose interest. So I feel like that's the same thing. The thing that keeps me going is the fact that I could get more and more and more and more. Which, again, you have to kind of balance that out because then, you know, maybe you're never satisfied. You're never content. There's always room for improvement, which I certainly suffer from. Um, and it was actually really eye-opening after my uh, Sika scan <clears throat> with uh, Coach Amita. Definitely check her out. She's on our Instagram. She was great. She, You know, it takes a lot to impress me in terms of knowledge because I always come to the table. I'm fucking prepared, ready to go. I know my shit. And um, she was definitely uh, teaching me things that I uh, did not know. 
But like most things in my life, I am allergic to uh, moderation. I'm learning about myself. And I'm not going to get too far into intermittent fasting, but I will say it worked a little too well. So I'm scaling it back. So last night I had a meal at like 8.30 at night, which is crazy. I'm like, oh, no, what would you do? Why did you fucking rip fast? I'm like, because I just need to fucking scale it back a little bit. Because it was getting too crazy. Uh, you know, body fat was getting a little low. And, um, you know, there's no reason why I needed to be the weight that I was. So, um, but in my mind, and I was telling Bubba this during the break off the air, where it's like I did, you know, 12 hours of fasting. I'm like, okay, I could do, I could do 13. I could do 14. I could do 16. I could do 18. And then I was really, really comfortable at 18, 18 to 20. But then I'm like, hmm, if I'm good at 18 or 20, I could probably do 24. If I do 24, I could probably do 28. And then I'm like, maybe every once in a while I should do a 45-hour fast, which I did. So um, I just I got carried away as I do often. So um, too much of a good thing can be a bad thing. So it's kind of that like Goldilocks, you know, not too hot, not too cold. You got to be just right. So now I'm scaling it back and that's okay because, yes, intermittent fasting does work. And it, I, I'm like, uh, it worked too well. What do you mean, Anna? Well, you just you, you got to scale it back a little bit depending on where you're at. If you're trying to lose fat, maybe you should do it more. If you're trying to gain a little bit of fat, a little bit of muscle, maybe you should scale it back and have a, a few more frequent meals. So anyways, I feel like I should be probably wrapping up because I've literally been talking to myself and you guys. Um, thank you to the... To the to the people that have stuck it out with me, um, it's been it's been fun today. I really do enjoy doing this show. I love just talking and letting it all out. And then you'll notice, like if if I meet you in person, a lot of the time I just want you to talk to me. You know, I do that a lot with uh, with Rachel when we when we come home. Like I'll talk and stuff, but like I want to hear your stories. So all I do is fucking talk, 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 talk. So come come at me with your don't don't expect me to entertain you. I've been doing that enough. So when we meet in person. You know, you uh, you reach out to me. You you tell me about your life because I love learning about people. But more than that, I love judging people. So give me an opportunity to judge you. That's always the best. Um, Bubble one ninety nine tonight. A birthday party. I'll be in a yellow dress. I realized I have two yellow dresses at home. I'm going to try to see if I can, I'm pretty sure I can fit into my uh, my college one. I have not worn since about uh, 2007. So we're bringing it back. It's the only article of clothing I kept over the years. But I'll wear it for the birthday. Um, Reagan will be in attendance. We're going to have a lot of hot chicks. Merch Crick and her titties will be in attendance. So make sure you tune in. It's going to be on Kick. Kick, K-I-C-K, not K-I-K-E. Not that word. Not K-I-K, it's K-I-C-K, like you kick a ball.com. Kick.com, the Bub Army. 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern time. It's gonna be a party. It's gonna be fun. There's gonna be cake. There's gonna be great music. Hot chicks. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Um other than that, we will see you Monday morning. It's gonna be a short week, so make sure you are tuned in Monday, 6 a.m. on the Rumbles. On the kick, on 8.20 a.m., B-A-R. Have a great weekend.